This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Dr. Eddie Price on the line. Hello, doctor. How are you? Good day, Michael. Good to talk to you. Likewise, you have a new book out called Out of His Mind, Medical Revolutionary. And you've got a long history in healthcare and and specifically on trying to make it actually do what we all think it should do and you know turn it on its head a little bit and actually uh, make healthcare really impact the lives of, of the human race across the planet. So tell us a little bit about your backstory and, and why you wrote the book. Yeah, okay. I, I'm a, a doctor who very early realized I wasn't comfortable with the very sick, so uh, I decided to study health management and that's where I found a niche that I could uh, live with and uh, once I was in uh, working in health management uh, looking for this career I actually spent some time uh, as a doctor in a place called El Arish near the Gaza Strip which was a deserted Egyptian hospital and uh, we junior doctors had to run it. And then I realized that I could make a contribution in health management being both uh, a doctor and a manager. And I could adjust to my inability to handle the very sick that way. And uh, as soon as I, uh, as soon as I did that, I, uh, once I studied management, I realized there was something dramatically wrong with the healthcare system and that was really a sickness system rather than a health system. Yeah, and I, as we said in the pre-show, I'd worked in primary care for a dozen years and yeah, I didn't see anywhere um, a true emphasis on prevention. It was all reactionary and people came to our clinics when they were sick. We didn't have them come when they were well. And I think that's, that's you know, something that you've obviously seen as well, where, you know, it's, we're, you know, we're not focusing on health, we're focusing on sickness. And that, that doesn't help prevent people from getting sick in the first place. It's more of a reactionary of, okay, come to us when you're sick. Well, if, if people would come and get care and take measures to prevent getting sick in the first place, then they wouldn't need to come when you're sick. And I know a lot of people think, well, then we wouldn't have jobs as physicians. It's like, no, actually you would. You'd, be, you'd actually be working more, in my opinion, because you'd be helping people prevent getting ill instead of reacting to them when they are. That's, uh, that's 100% right. The primary care doctors will have a lot, a lot more work. And uh, what the Centre for Disease Control put out a paper many years ago that's been reconfirmed that about 86% of what they call potential years of life lost before the age of 65 is due to lifestyle factors and the environment. And only about 9% is due to genomics and uh, the healthcare system does nothing in relation to the uh, lifestyle factors and the environment. 
and that causes something like 86% of the illnesses. So the only way to, uh, to really work out what we're trying to do to try and make people healthy is to define what we mean by healthy and, and measure it. And when I've just found, looked for ways to measure it, I found that uh, the roles of doctors and what the healthcare system is, is four roles. One is restoring function, that's people's health-related quality of life, preventing illness, um, caring or relieving distress and prolonging life. But prolonging life is only 10% and most of what doctors do or hospitals try to do is to improve function and and that called PROMS patient whole uh, concept has taken off after a professor Michael at business school decided exactly that, that what we had to measure was these people's functional health status and uh, since he's been involved there's been a whole move around to what he calls value-based health care which is the improvement in your functional health status divided by your by the cost yeah i'm based in in canada and we've seen a lot of um that work you know come through over the last decade or so uh with patient surveys on a lot of things and a, quite an increase in collaborative healthcare. So instead of having medical clinics with just physicians, there'd be clinics with you know, other health professionals such as mental health or podiatry or chiropodist or chiropodist, depending on what part of the world you're from, uh, and you know, pharmacist and you know, so team-based care as well, where all of these individuals would work together uh, to give the patient kind of a concierge type of experience where you know they could come in and depending on their needs would be able to navigate through a variety of different providers to take care of their mental health and their physical health i often said you know that they should have some type of an element to spiritual health as well and you know have connections within the community so you know to kind of tie all of those things together for people but at the end of the day we, you know we have seen even though it hasn't been around too long some definite improvements as far as patient care is concerned, uh, but we're still not where we need to be when it comes to uh, the the level of care of people, you know, getting better to the point where they don't need to come to the physician's office as much. Yeah, no, I, th I think the catalyst to do this is these patient reported outcome measures, which uh, there are generic measures in the States. There's an organization called Promise set, out, set up by the National Institute of Health, and it produces a measure called the Promise 10 that within 10 questions gives you a score for your physical health and mental health. And I feel that should be the basic or one of the basic tests that uh, all primary care physicians give to their patients as they come in. And in fact, 
it is a new range of or suite of diagnostic tests. So just as a blood test is a diagnostic test, so is a measure of your physical health, mental health, social health measures there as well, as well as measures for individual body parts. So there's thousands of these measures around and they're only now just starting to enter into clinical practice. But for it to change the health system, they have to be assigned by the doctors. And even though it's good to have the healthcare team around the doctors, if the doctors don't change, because the doctors are the people ordering all the blood tests, all the unnecessary operations that are going on and so forth, and they've got to be given an alternative. And these prom questionnaires serve in my opinion, to be the diagnostic uh, alternative that's going to change the health system. And it puts the, the power back into the patient in, in driving what, what they need because for many years, and I know you've seen this, patients rely on you know, what their physician tells them is going to be done. You know, they don't, they don't do any additional research, although with with the advent of the internet and being able to research things. And I say that um, carefully because uh, I think people will self-diagnose their situation by researching something on the internet without having all of the parameters in place to truly know what's going on. So it, it's my, my hope is it's increasing the dialogue between patients and healthcare providers, you know, to come up with what makes the most sense in a particular situation uh, that that patient is presenting, because otherwise you, know, you end up just over prescribing things or uh, performing operations that, as you said, aren't necessary. And it, that adds additional costs to the system. And it also, you know, it, it impacts people's lives. You know, if you have any type of surgery, um, whether it's minor or major, uh, there's a recovery time, so that means that individual is you know, not being you know, productive as far as society or working or, or even at home uh, for a period of time. And you know, it, it bothers me that there may be procedures that are being done on individuals that don't need to be done. Uh, there, there are lots of procedures being done. It's at least 30% uh, of, the, of the healthcare costs uh, uh, deemed to be wastage and you're correct this uh, does put the patient at the center and uh, the patient is then also setting their desired goal by sitting with their healthcare provider and saying okay my score in uh, physical health is 40 and they they discuss it with their personal physician and the physician and the patient agree they may try to get to 45 and how do you get there well it's likely to be a lifestyle uh, prescription or a social health prescription rather than uh, rather than a invasive prescription or an invasive test that's going to get the, them there so yes this is all leading to patient-centered health care and people are saying they're asking the patient now what matters to you rather than what's the matter with you. And that's a subtle change, but it's a huge one because, you know, procedures, uh, you know, surgeries and, and, and whatnot, you know, depending on, you know, what that individual is doing, their age, 
you know, they may say, you know what, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I don't need it. Or, you know, what do you want to do you know, as far as activity levels? If they're looking at you know, potential knee surgeries and anything else, it's, it's often just a, you know, what do you want, you know, out of life? And I'll, I'll give a personal story. Um, you know, I've had in the last couple of years, I, I've lost both my aunt and my uncle to cancer. Now, when my uncle, unfortunately, um, had it for a long time, was you know, it was in remission for a bit, and then it'd come back, and then after you know, chemotherapy and radiation, it'd go away again for a bit, or at least we think it would. I, I honestly think it still lingers around in there. That's why it keeps coming back. But finally, this last go around, a little over um, two years ago, uh, he you know he ended up passing away. Now, at the time, my aunt was you know is, was taking care of him and all of that stuff, and she was diagnosed with cancer while she was taking care of him. Now, she didn't tell anybody that that had happened. The family didn't know. My uncle Jim didn't know, um, but she, you know, basically said, "I'm not going to, you know, do anything about it." You know, so she didn't get radiation or chemo or anything. She did nothing. She went on and after my uncle had passed for the next year, because she lived a little bit longer than a year after he had passed, she went on trips. She hung out with her best friends. She traveled. She lived life to the absolute fullest. And that's what she wanted. You know, she missed my uncle and didn't necessarily you know, want to live a long life without him because she'd been with him for such a long time. But what she did is she just basically had this year long celebration of life and just did everything she could possibly do. Um, and then, you know, she, you know, the, she got sick, she was in the hospital, she was in the hospital three days. And it was, you know, from our vantage point, wow, that happened quick. But, you know, we found out later um, that she had, you know, died you know, she had been diagnosed with, with cancer a long time ago and did nothing about it. She chose, she made a choice as a patient. I'm not doing anything with this. I'm going to go live my life. I know it's going to ultimately probably shorten my life, but I'm going to take life by the horns and I'm going to do this right now. And when I found out about that, it, it didn't surprise me a bit because that's kind of the way that she was as, as a human being, you know, she lived life to the fullest and you know, I'm, I'm thankful. Of course, you know, the family misses her and, and, and everything, but I, again, she had a choice and that's the choice she did. And thankfully the healthcare system was designed in such a way where she could make that choice. The people, the patients don't uh, realize that the, they often have that choice, but these prom questionnaires, for instance, in uh, prostate cancer, a prom questionnaire showed up that uh, even though most hospitals in the world get a 95% survival rate, uh, people filling these questionnaires found that some hospitals had 30% incontinence rate post the surgery or the chemotherapy and uh, a uh, 30% impotency rate, but one hospital, the Martin Clinic in Germany, only had 5% of these complications, these things that affect the patient's quality of life. But without these questionnaires, nobody would have known that uh, that's what mattered to the patient and that they were doing something better at this one clinic and perhaps all the other hospitals should go and have a look and learn their techniques so they achieve the same quality of life out, output for the patient 
and these PROM questionnaires were the catalysts that found that. Yeah, it's amazing that, you know, that there was one you know, particular location that was doing something like that. And, you know, other hospitals across the globe said, okay, why are their stats so much different? And that they actually took the initiative to find out. Because oftentimes they will just say, well, it's probably because of, you know, this circumstance or the environment or, or whatnot. But uh, I commend those other institutions for having the initiative to go and take a deeper look and see, okay, what are they doing that's creating these uh, situations where we're, they're seeing better outcomes? What What's going on there? What's so different? And I think of how many lives that has impacted because they did that. Yeah, well, that is sort of the stimulus for that has been uh, Professor Michael Porter's set up an organization called ICHOM, International Collaboration on Health Outcome Measures, and uh, they were the stimulus for getting everybody, other people to look at, because as you say, without that central focus, other people wouldn't have gone and started to look at that. And now all of this has been called value-based healthcare and is starting to take off around the world. It's uh, probably Holland is leading the way there, but um, it's happening uh, around the world. And I think it's going to be an unstoppable force. But I've included amongst the uh, PROM questionnaires a preventive one and one that I call a patient's cared for health status. And these are all very short questionnaires that take two or three minutes to complete, but are accurate in reflecting what they're supposed to reflecting. So there's a huge underlying science of psychometrics behind this. But I believe this will not only change healthcare, but it will also change the world more widely. You may know that there are three countries in the world led by New Zealand that now are putting out what they call a well-being budget rather than an ordinary GDP budget. And the well-being budget, one of the most important parts is the patient's health status. And everything in the well-being budget is being measured by, in terms of quality of life, is being measured by these scored questionnaires. Yeah, and I know, you know, one of the things that we had in our healthcare system in Canada, we called it social determinants of health, because we saw in most of the clinics that I was in were in, you know, low-income lowly educated individuals. So there was a lot of uh, poverty. Uh, there was a lot of uh, chronic diseases that many of these uh, individuals were dealing with. And we knew that a big component of it was, you know, the financial status impacts their health status. Now, in Canada, you know, our, our taxes cover the majority, not all, but the majority of healthcare costs as far as visiting a physician or going to the hospital or surgeries or things like that. There's really nothing out of pocket per se, but it's paid through our, our tax system. However, medications are not. So in many of these situations, a lot of these patients that were prescribed medications, uh, and we won't debate today whether they needed them or not, but uh, the ones that were prescribed, you know, they had to make a choice. You know, they either get the medications or they buy food. And 
And if they're not able to do both, then maybe they're shortchanging themselves on the food that they're eating, which of course is creating nutritional imbalance in their system, which of course can make their bodies not, uh, not as well as they could be. So it's just this vicious cycle that just keeps spinning on, on some of these people. And it, it's difficult for them to get out of those scenarios. And then of course you look at other nations that don't have currently a, a, a system where you know, health costs are, are covered uh, per se. And it's even worse where people won't even bother going to a physician because they can't, they can't even afford the, you know, the visit fee to go see a doc. So it's, it's, it's troubling for sure. But, and, but I think, as you said, with these, um, these surveys that are being done in New Zealand, I'm, I commend that nation for doing it is, you know, valuing, okay, what is the well-being of our citizens? And the well-being is health, financial, ability to do things, you know, all those things. We start measuring that. That will create momentum for countries that have really low numbers. And I, I have a hunch on what country might be low. Um, and, and that's going to be a situation where people will say, hey, this has to improve. And then that's when you'll start seeing changes being made. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would uh, fully agree with that. But with that social determinants of health, one of the questionnaires that uh, that is we call a PROM patient reported outcome measures that we have is a person's cared for status, and this gives the person a score for their social support level and uh, score as well as their their confidence of care being available in times of illness. And uh, our, my theory says that this makes up 30% of the person's overall health status with these, their health-related quality of life being 40%, their preventive activities, which I call positive health, being 20%. 30% is their cared for status and only 10% is their, their desire for a prolonged life to, to the full extent if it's not a quality of life. So there's those four aspects and the social determinants of health can be included in the patient's health status by measuring their cared for status and I feel that should be done on every patient and the doctor then should uh, move towards what they call social prescribing and start to implement changes in that patient's life by referring to the appropriate social agencies. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I've seen glimpses of that happening and my hope is, you know, in, in the coming, you know, months and years, we'll start seeing that to be the normal practice instead of um, the out of the ordinary practice. So Dr. Price, I've enjoyed our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work that you're doing? Yeah, uh, we have a, a website called ehealthier.net, ehealthier.net. And uh, we will be creating a platform on this work that will be at uh, at ehealthier.com.au because we're converting this into a, an app for uh, doctors to use and to assign these questionnaires to their patients. And that should be 
available for uh, for the health profession within three months. Well, that's great. I'm excited to hear about that, and I'll definitely have the links in the show notes. So, again, Dr. Price, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for the work Thanks. that you're doing. Thanks, Michael. I've enjoyed it as well. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.